What made you decide to come? Um, I don't know. I just I felt drawn to. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, it's just I, I got one of the books and um, it was the one about eternal love and I really okay yeah I, I like what it said. Nice, huh? Nice. Okay, cool. And you're for the first time also. And she invited you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And anybody else for the first time? Huh? Here. Yeah, I came out once a few years ago. Decade, what do they call it? The resolution of the decade or yeah. New Year's resolution, <laughs> decade resolutions and stuff like that. Okay. So for those who are new, and we're all pretty new, even if you've been around forty five years, you're pretty new to this. It's like actually I'll, one of my friends um, I got I got a tech I know I got an email that says check out Facebook so I click on it and one of my friends was doing a, a hundred day challenge a hundred day challenge that they would get up and they would do their meditational um, what would you call it practices early in the morning that they rather than just get up brush your teeth go to put your clothes on go to work they wanted to get their meditational part done first so they did they gave themselves a hundred day challenge. So it was about ten days in and I get or fifteen days, whatever it was, into this, and I get a I get an email saying, check out the hundred day challenge. So I look at it as one of my friends, so I send her a note, I got a hundred lifetime challenge. <laughs> if I can get out of this world in a hundred lifetimes, I'm gonna think that's the coolest thing that ever possibly could happen. And then about a week later, I said, I think I'm gonna have to change it into a thousand day challenge. I mean, a thousand year challenge, because the hundred year one seems to be slowing down a little bit here. So to, to eradicate or to take our, to get ourselves out of material energy, it takes, it takes a good effort. You have to put a little effort in. So to just introduce our society to the new people, or, um, the gender was saying that we have our founder in charge. Where did you see that little picture? Is it large? Oh yeah, right over here. Yeah, the picture over here. Small Morty. Oh, there's small Morty here. And Morty means like a little figurine. Like that. So Sheila Prabhupada came to America in 1965. He was about 70 years old. And he came on the order of his teacher. Um, his Actually, his teacher gave him this, that instruction to come to the West the first day he met him. Um, of course, he grew up in a, in a, a Vaishnava family, which means a, 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 a family of the, of, that is devoted to the service of Krishna, and Krishna meaning the all-attractive form of God, or the name of God. Um, it's not that that's the, a limiting name, a limited name. There are many names of God. That there are hundreds and thousands and millions of names are gone. And so each and every one of those names has all the potency of God. And so he was a devotee of Krishna from his birth. And his father used to invite saintly people to the house for lunch almost daily. And I always asked him, please bless my son to become a great devotee of Radha and Krishna. Please bless my son. So he'd seen so many of these holy men coming, and as soon as they'd finish the lunch and get a few rupee donation, rupees of the Indian currency, I'm sure you all know that, you get a, a little donation from his father, they would be smoking cigarettes on the side. So he thought, these sadhus, I don't know what they are, you know, are they really, 
Gabriel, some are, some aren't, you know. And so one of his friends said there's, oops, I wanted to do something. One of his friends um, wanted him to meet, which ended up being his spiritual master. We had a little funny text going back and forth between me and Nityananda Chandra, the host for tonight. I said, if you can get this, the, the singing to start on time and end on time, I'll end my lecture on time. <laughs> so then I thought I would just set the timer on my, on my phone to know when I, I got like the 10 minute warning or something like that. So what happened is that one of, one of Shiva Prabhupada's friends told him, I met this really saintly person, we have to go see him. So he thought, I've seen so many saintly people, I don't need to go see any more saintly people. And he said his friend literally drugged him over there. And when, when they got there, the Indian tradition, Indian culture is when you see a saintly person or someone who's in what's known as the renounced order of life, one bows down. And so they immediately bowed down in the presence of this saintly person and before they could even sit up, he said, you're both educated young men, you should go to the Western worlds and preach the teachings of Lord Krishna. They didn't even say hello, they didn't even know each other's names yet, they didn't know what, the, you know, they didn't know what he stood for or anything. And at the, end of the, at the end of the meeting, he was sold. He said, yes, this, this, this is the real teacher of Krishna consciousness, or the real teacher of the Bhagavad Gita. And he came, you know, he went through his life, he was married at that time, he had children, he had a business, and he finished up his life and he retired and he came in his, and he decided to fulfill the order of his teacher to come to the West. That also was a struggle, so it started on the Lower East Side of the United States in New York City, and slowly moved out to the Haight-Ashbury area. That's why we're, some people associate all the Hare Krishnas with hippies, but we're not all hippies. Some of us were, some of us weren't. Um, but he said, I changed hippies into happies. And that was his thing. He said he, he said he came to America. You can imagine like the son of a of an elevated Brahmin, like a teacher, like a, like a very, very elevated, father, very elevated devotee of the Lord. And uh, so it, it wasn't like he grew up in, in, a, like in a very influential, affluent family. I always mix the words up. It wasn't that he had a very fluid, affluent family, but he didn't have any needs. He grew up in a comfortable, in a comfortable family. And when he came to the West, everyone in India in the, in the 60s and 50s, the West was just like this, you know, they thought the roads were paved with gold. You know, it, it was just like the next, it was like living in the heavenly planets or something. And when he got here, he saw what he called the flowers, the flower of, Amer the flower of American, you know, the children, the flowers of the society, all disheveled, you know, laying on the streets and hanging out in the parks and so intoxicated and stuff. He just, it was just like, it was amazing, astounding to him that they could, that the, that the society had, you know, produced, even though they had everything on the material level. All the kids, I mean, I grew up in the 60s. I think Chaitanya Chandra, you're a product of the 60s. Um, and it was like it was like there was there was something really missing in our lives. I would expect its truth to the same extent today to a lesser or greater extent. And so the Hare Krishna movement took off like it took off very, very rapidly in the in the late sixties and early seventies. And interesting enough, 
in that counterculture where we were rejecting all types of, like say, rules and regulations and principles and ideals and stuff like that of modern culture, Srila Prabhupada, we were literally rejecting them. And Prabhupada came, when we say Prabhupada, that's the name of the founder. When Prabhupada came, he told us no gambling, no intoxication, no illicit sex, no meat eating. And it was just like, you know, that, that's a pretty, it's, it's not an easy road to hoe. Is that what you're saying? Not an easy road to till. I guess you can't say hoe because it means something else. Now. But um, it's, not an easy, it's not an easy path to, to, to take. And yet so many thousands of young people took to that process and gave up. You know, one time there was a Time magazine when Srila Prabhupada was traveling from one place to Chicago and he saw this Time magazine. Crime and what to do was the, was the um, what do they call it, the cover of it. And so he immediately had the devotees get the chief of police to come and visit him. And he said, we know what to do. All you have to do is engage people in the chanting of the holy names of God, following these regulative principles of no illicit sex, intoxication, meeting, and gambling, and just give them spiritual food, and the crime will go away. People are a criminal, you know, worse. Everyone in the material world is a criminal. That's just some of us are incarcerated in, inside the incarceration building, and some of us are let to walk around inside the penitentiary, because the whole world is actually a penitentiary. And we can discuss that later. I mean, get into that if you want. And so Srila Prabhupada gave this, this philosophy, basic philosophy, to teach us that we're eternal spirit souls, part and parcel of God. And that spirit soul is residing within this body and giving this body consciousness. Um, the body is just a vehicle, it's like a machine. Just like my, my phone has, my phone is an electronic machine. And the battery in it keeps it, makes it appear to be alive. You take the battery out and the phone doesn't function. The same way the body has, we, we are the soul inside the body. And when the soul leaves, then the body doesn't work anymore. So this body, the soul, is the main thing that we have to identify with because that's the source of consciousness. We were describing this on Sunday at the temple over here. We had a little Sunday uh, gathering like this. And um, I was explaining that if you put red glasses on, then I'll see everyone here as red. If I put blue glasses on, I see everyone as blue. And so, these are the different shades. In other words, I, my vision will change according to the color I put in front of it. In the same way, our bodies are made out of three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. It's a mixed combination of those three modes. So it's like taking the three basic colors and mixing them together, and we get a specific color. Each one of us has a specific color. When I say color, I don't mean the, the skin color. I mean the, the color of our nature. Our nature has a particular uh, aspect to it. And that's just the material body. So we, the soul, are seeing this material world through the lens of that material, those material modes of nature. <coughs> and we perceive everything based on the material body rather than on the spirit soul. And so what happens is that when one enters into the process of bhakti yoga, which we offer here at the Darshan Room class and the Krishna Temple and stuff like that, is that we, we, we offer a special type of spiritual knowledge 
whereby one can go beyond just seeing this material body as being themselves and the material mind as being themselves. The mind is actually harder to disidentify with than the body. Um, the, mind is, the mind is very, very, very strong. And the nature of the mind is chanchala, it's flickering. Um, we were, we've been describing this in our ideal little morning what used to be called Japa Heaven. Japa means like the chanting of the like rosary, but it got changed into RT Swami daily whatever or something. And so I just give a two or three minute uh, note. But the thing is, is that we chase the chase. We chase the demands of the mind. We chase the demands of the mind. The mind will tell you, "Oh, you're unhappy. This person did this. This did that. You don't like your job. You do like your job. This is cold. This is hot. This is this. This is that." And the mind makes you chase this this misidentification, because the mind is just telling you to identify. The mind the mind is telling you actually what the mind is doing. If you really want to get technical, it's protecting the false identification that we have with this material body. It's called false ego. In Sanskrit, it's called ahankara. You know, false ego sounds like a bad word. You know, you know hey, you got to, you know, you're egoistic or something like that. But false ego even has like the the word has a negative connotation. What to speak of ahankara? You know, ahankara sounds really sounds like a real bad word. So the ahankara, the false ego, uh, the mind, what it does is actually tries to protect that false ego because. The, the, the intelligence is now misidentified ourselves to be this material body and therefore the mind wants to protect that false identification and say, okay, I'm white, I'm black, I'm male, I'm female, I'm American, I'm Russian. I just met somebody from former Soviet Union and I said, when I was a kid, we're all Hare Krishnas now, we're all friends, and I said, when I was a kid, we were told the Russians were going to bomb us and we used to have to hide under our desks. <laughs> Anybody here old enough to have that? Yeah, remember? Yeah. And that, I remember even as a little kid, I thought, if a nuclear bomb goes off, what's this desk going to do? <laughs> yeah, this is, I thought it was like absurd, even when I was like five or six, seven years old. And I said, did you guys think the same? He said, no, we just thought we'd blow you to smithereens. We were Russians, you know. <laughs> we weren't worried about you guys at all. We thought we had more missiles and stuff like that. And so we identify ourselves falsely with different, as, as being as a certain designation. It was a very nice class that was given by the founder of our society in the summer of 66, when the Hare Krishna movement was just kind of taking roots. They had just gone out for the first time and sang on the streets. And he was saying that, is there anyone here that doesn't have some type of designation? Just like I identify as being a man, I identify as being you know, white, identify as being 67 years old, identify as being in Dallas, Texas right now, identify with so many different things, so we have so many designations that we place upon ourselves. I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm Independent, I don't care, whatever it is you can be, right? There's so many designations that we place upon ourselves. And so, so these things are all false identifications. And so the, the whole point of that class was to discuss who's crazy. Who's crazy? Because we had just, the, the, it started in New York, so we were out in New York. They, we didn't even have the types of drums we had now. Somebody had a bass drum, somebody had a bongo, and somebody had some lids to a pot and pan, not these nice little cymbals that we have now or something. 
quite a unique display. And so the locals, you know, people that were watching were saying, these Hare Krishnas are crazy. And so in order to protect his students, Srila Prabhupada wrote an essay and gave a lecture on this topic of who's crazy. So if you take the designation of yourself as being something material, I'm American, I'm white, I'm black, I'm young, I'm old, I'm this, I'm that. All these different designations that we can place, and we have hundreds of designations we place upon ourselves. I wake up in the morning and I think, oh God. <laughs> you know, another designation, I, I don't think I'm God. Excuse me. <laughs> that, 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 turned out, <laughs> that didn't turn out right. You know, I don't get up in the morning and say, oh God, that's me, right? Now. <laughs> Good morning, God, right, yeah. But I wake up in the morning with another different type of mental st state of existence and I d try to identify with that. So Srila Prabhupada was saying, if you go on the street and you ask them, any, any person in the street, who are you? They'll give you some identification that's based on the material body. I'm a woman. I'm a man. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Texan. Right? Texas has a real reputation for identifying as being Texans, isn't it? Almost equal to New York City, but you know, it's a tough one to beat, you know, New York City, the Big Apple. And so we all have some, you know, I'm American. I bet, you know, like, like uh, Nichananda Chandra is saying, I travel, I travel a lot of places, and you know, probably 40, 50 countries over the past few decades. And no matter where I'm at, I think I'm American. I could be sitting in, in the Hong Kong, in our Hong Kong center, in the middle of all the Chinese people in Hong Kong, and I can think I'm, I, you know, I'm American. Well, what does that got to do with anything? It really doesn't have anything to do with it. So Srila Prabhupada says we put identification on ourselves. So if you put a false identification upon yourself and claim that's you, rather than a Hare Krishna on the street chanting the holy name, saying, I'm an eternal servant to God, part and parcel of God, I'm a spirit soul that has an eternal relationship with God, who's crazy? If you misidentify yourself as something that you're not, then that's a sign of insanity. Just like, I give this example so many times, just like if all of a sudden somebody in a room starts, you know, barking like a dog or, you know, clucking like a chicken and we can't get them to stop, we're going to think they're a little touched. Right? <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, I mean, we, you know, sometimes you can go to the, you can go to a comedy place and you can watch some guy cluck like a chicken or bark like a dog and pay twenty dollars or whatever and laugh a little bit. But if he doesn't stop, you're going to start to wonder, well, do I really want to be in this place? And this guy's, really, this guy, this guy's gone off the safety, you know, safety. What do you call it? The safety area. And I'm not. He's invading my, you know, my natural safe space here. You know. And so it's no different than that. If we misidentify ourselves as something that we're not, then there's some, then there's then, then, then there's 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 something we have to do about that. And that's what Krishna consciousness does. It gives us information that this body is like a dress. Vasanti Janani Atavihaya. It's just like I'm wearing when I ordered it it said oats. It said it was oat colored. And this is saf this is saffron. So I'll keep wearing blue. That blue? Is that blue, Jack? Yeah. That's blue, and that's gray, and that's black. Black, and black and white, and blue. So if I say you're black and white, and you're blue, and you're gray, and you're blue, and I'm orange, 
Does it make any sense? It's just an outer cover. It's just, it's just the garment that I'm wearing. It's, this is just the garment I'm wearing. And so the Gita says, Vasamsi Janani I'm looking for my friend because I know he knows the verse. That the body is just like a dress. And so when we, and when we take off this, when, if these clothes become old and worn, we take them off and we get new ones. We don't lament for the old ones. I mean, maybe a little bit, you know, those are really a cool pair of jeans. You know, I just really can't wear them anymore because the back, the back side's got a hole or something. Like, of course, nowadays they don't care if the back side's got a hole. So that's a whole new story. They buy them with back holes in the back side, so they cost 25, 20, 30% more. But when the clothes become old and worn out, we get new clothes. We don't lament over the old clothes because we have new clothes. In the same way, one who is a little intelligent, he understands that I'm not this body. This, the body is like a dress. And when this body goes, undergoes the different, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, phases from birth to growth to, breed, um, to spending some time to produce some byproducts, it begins to dwindle and finally it dies or it vanishes. That's just, that's just the outer covering. It's like my clothes. I, the soul, me, the soul, inside, have nothing to do with the changing of this body. I remain the same. The Sanskrit word is kutasta. It means it is steady. It doesn't change. When my, when my mind changes, my soul doesn't change. When I'm angry, my soul is not angry. When my, when my mind is happy, on a material sense, and we're talking on a material sense, my soul has nothing to do with that. And the more we can identify with the steadiness of the soul, the less we can identify with the ups and downs of this material world and finally find a place of shanti, or peace. Shanti is the word they use in Sanskrit. Shanti meaning peace. We can finally come to a place of peace in the heart when we begin to identify with that which is actually peaceful by nature. This material world is situated, made in such a way that there are perplexities at every step. Every space we look, I mean, there's danger every, under every corner, every space, there's always, I mean, it's not, we're not going to be like totally paranoid and, you know, lock ourselves in a vault or something like that. Going back to the Cold War time, my neighbor built a bomb shelter, that was really cool, when we launched some, you know, 17 foot thick walls and stuff like that. We're not going to do like that, but there are, the, the, the material world is a precarious place. And one who is in knowledge, he realizes that this material world is a precarious place because we are a spirit soul. We are spiritual by nature, and now we're placed in an atmosphere of material energy. In the introduction to the Gita, our teacher says that says, says that our very existence right now is in an atmosphere of non-existence. And I made a little business card out of that on the back of my business card. When you analyze that statement, it's quite interesting. Our very existence right now is in an atmosphere of non-existence. Because the spirit soul by nature is eternal. The soul does not die. Just like that verse we were saying, that um, it said, that when the, when the body goes, the, when the body dies, the soul does not die. It continues to go on. You know, it's eternal, ever-existing, undying, primeval. And when the body is slain, this, the soul remains the same. It just goes on to another type of body at the time of death. And so this Krishna consciousness knowledge gives us this information so that we can begin to identify with our spiritual nature 
and then act upon that spiritual nature. Knowledge is one thing, and knowledge is the Sanskrit word for knowledge. Of course, one is Veda, but another word for knowledge is Gyan. Gyan is this theoretical knowledge, and then there's Vigyan, which means realized knowledge. It means that you act upon the knowledge that you have learned. Just like I remember being a little kid, you know, I stuck my finger in the in the in the wall socket. That only happened once. I, mean, I didn't have to try it again to see if it's going to, you know. I remember I was talking with Gary Darius on me. He said he stuck two keys, stuck a key in one and stuck a key in the other, and then grabbed them both, you know. And, you know. <laughs> he said he only did it once, right? He said that was, you know, once was enough, right? So sticking two keys in the outlet and getting zapped, that's vegan, right? You know you're not supposed to do that, and you're supposed to do something different, right? So having vegan, having knowledge of our true spiritual identity in, a, in opposed to our material identity, and then learning, utilizing that knowledge and acting upon that knowledge, not letting myself be dug down by some bodily conception that I have designated myself with, which comes from, it basically it just comes from our previous activities. It comes from our previous activities, and this is known as karma, which is getting a little... Little, you know, it's going to be a little more detailed now because karma, it's just, we use it in an informal way now. Karma is just like, you know, it's a bad day, it's your karma, right? And so karma just, it comes from this, I've said this so many times, it comes from the Sanskrit word kriyate, which means to do. So every time you do something, there's a reaction for that activity. And so now this material body is simply a... It's a, simply a reaction to our previous desires that we had in our last lifetime in order to be fulfilled. And Krishna, through the energy of the material, through the via media of the material energy, produces a particular type of body that's specifically made to fulfill the desires we had in our last lifetime. Some of us are white, some of us are black, some of us are Chinese, some of us are Latin American, some of us are male, some of us are female, some of us are serious, some of us are that. You know, I had blonde hair, it turned gray quite early, you know, so now I'm gray, so we, and we have all these things. This is all karma. This is all our karma from our previous activities to learn certain lessons in this lifetime. It's a type of punishment, but it's a learning type of punishment. When Krishna punishes, or when the Supreme Lord gives us a reaction for our, our what would you say, illegal activities in relationship to the Lord, he gives us a particular type of body to live in, and it's a type of cell, it's a type of prison house, where we're meant to learn particular lessons as we go through, to develop more and more, so that we can eventually get back to our spiritual roots, our spiritual consciousness. So that's the whole process of Krishna consciousness, it's knowledge giving. So that, it's just like if we have knowledge of something being harmful for us, we will avoid it. So if we can learn the rules and regulations of the scriptures in order to guide our lives, because we have nothing to do with this material energy, in the, except for the fact that we're in, embodied in it now. Did I use that word? We're, we're residing within, the, within this body, and this body's residing within the greater material energy. And there's a pathway to undo all that mess. Meth. Mess. Not meth. Mess. Tongue twister for the old Swami here. 
<laughs> so the whole thing is, is, yeah, so the whole thing is, it's, it's, when one gets into the process of spiritual life, and Krishna consciousness is non-sectarian, we, we, don't, we don't say that, you know, if you don't chant Hare Krishna, you're going to go to hell forever and ever and burn in the fire and you, there's no redemption or something like that. <coughs> everyone, everyone eventually gets back home, back to God, and it's just a matter of how seriously we want to take the, the message. Two, there's two commentaries in this book where Shri Prabhupada says that one should practice spiritual life in the very beginning of their life. So many of us didn't grow up in a very, maybe some, some small spiritual environment or something like that, but he was specifically talking about Hare Krishnas. And he said you should practice Krishna consciousness from the very beginning of your life, or at least from the time you understand the urgency of the message. And the urgency of the message is, is that this place is known as a sansara. Sansara means like a wheel of repeated birth and death. We are, again, we are, we are our very existence now is in an atmosphere of non-existence. We're not meant to be threatened by dying, by, by non-existence. That is abnormal for us. That's an abnormal situation. We're not meant to be under the influence of this time factor. Time is actually eternal. The reactions that we are going to experience and that bind us in this material world are not eternal. We can change that around. The Supreme Lord is eternal, we're eternal. This material world, although it comes and goes in phases, is still eternal. Time is eternal, but, we, but the karmic reactions, those reactions that we're getting from our activities, we can change those into positive activities that are meant to give us liberation or salvation, or emancipation, whatever word we want to use, we can utilize the same activities that we use in our normal life to try to enjoy on the material level. We can do that same thing on the spiritual level. And that is a process which begins with karma yoga. Karma meaning activity, yoga meaning connecting, connecting the activities to the service of God, which eventually develops into loving God, and that is bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga being the pinnacle of the, ladder, the, yoga, the yoga ladder. It goes up different phases. And so bhakti yoga, the loving relationship with God that one can have is the highest, is the highest level. And that is possible through the practicing practices of... I mean, actually any religious process is a stepping stone to it. The nice thing about Krishna consciousness is the detail in which we understand the process by which we have to extract ourselves from the situation. We're not given a free pass. Uh, that doesn't, that, you know, no one's going to give us a free pass. We have to, we've earned what we have in this world and now we have to pay the price. And the paying of that price is overcoming this, the obstacles that we're facing today. So I promised Nichananda Chandra that I was and the, the, the class on time and the time for the class to stop is in about six or seven minutes. So I'm supposed to stop at, at um, 7.45. But I'd like to, because we have some new people and some old people and some middle-aged people. <laughs> so if anyone has a question or a comment, and it doesn't, it can be on what we were talking about or it can be on anything that, that, that you come in contact with this, if, you know, in the last week or two or a month or lifetime or last lifetime or whatever one you can remember.
Any questions? Any comments? Yes, please. So, karma yoga, this can be any activity, like cleaning, cooking, yes. school, and then how about driving or taking a walk? Like, okay. Yeah, driving, taking a walk. You see, it's just like the only thing that has to change is the intention for what is done. Right? So, if I'm trying to make it simple, but it's a very complex thing when you really get down to it. It's called Svadharma. And I was speaking about this Sunday at the, at the thing. There's two types of Svadharma. Svadharma means one's occupation. Svadharma, Dharma means like nature, occupational duty. Like the Dharma of water is wet. The, 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 the Dharma of, of fire is heat and light. And so our nature, our Svadharma, our, in, our, our eternal nature is divided into two now. One is spirit, we have a spiritual um, uh, dharma or occupation we're meant to perform. But because we're in this spirit material world, we also have a material dharma that we're meant to do. So according to our nature, again going through those three modes in nature, goodness, passion, ignorance, that blending the color that give us our particular type of personality and nature, whether we love rock and roll music or country western music or baroque music or what did I say the other night? Headbanger Headband. music or whatever it is. And so that's all that's all predestined for much from our previous acts. So now if you if you utilize your education to support yourself in your spiritual actions, then that education effort is also spiritual. If you if you want to exercise or to relax so that you can engage in spiritual activities in a, in the mode of goodness, see the basic thing is we have to the the need is to rise up to the mode of goodness, um, living our lives in goodness, charity in goodness, actions in goodness, knowledge in goodness, everything. You can go through the Gita, 18th chapter, 14th chapter, 17th chapter. There's so many different places where it describes the modes of material nature. And we can see where we're situated. So when we, when we live in the mode of goodness, and we use those act, that, that type of lifestyle in the service of the Lord, then their spiritual activities are called karma yoga. And by doing that, one, one, one is... Karma Yoga, again, meaning connecting our actions to the service of the Lord, eventually leads one to loving the Lord. Because the more we do for someone, the more we engage in something, the more we know about something, hopefully, especially if it's God, the more we're going to love Him. Right? Just like I sometimes, I mean, I don't know, the Bangla listens, she has all my lectures, so the, how many times I've sung this song, to know, know, know you is to love, love, love you, right? It's an old song. And what year was that? Fifties or sixties or something like that. So the more we know about God, the more we serve God, the closer we become to Him. And it's not that God is vengeful or angry or upset with us. He's just very concerned. And therefore, He, when He creates the material world for us to forget our relationship with Him, that's what the purpose is. We want to forget our relationship with God, so we come here. We're criminals. We're spiritual criminals in the spiritual world, so we're sent here where we can forget God. But that same energy that we use to forget God, all the things that we use for our material sense gratification, that which is based on our false ego, thinking that, 
okay, I like ketchup, but I don't like mustard. We're not choosing that. That's being forced upon us by our nature. But we think that we're choosing it, and we think that we're enjoying it. And that's a false identification of enjoyment. And so we want to rid that. So the more we connect with Krishna, the more that becomes spiritual, spiritualized. And so the more we spiritualize ourselves, the more closer we become to Krishna. So it's a gradual process. It's a gradual process, actually. It can happen like that. That's a real rare case. And there was a couple that happened like that in the history, but that was a rare case. We, should, we shouldn't, we should, we shouldn't, don't use the word should. Um, yeah, don't should all over yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the idea is like, um, I made that joke, now I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> Krishna always slaps me, I'm used to it, I've been beaten many times. And so the idea is, is like, we have a necessity to, to earn our way back. In other words, our, 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 the respect. In other words, the idea is to act in such a way that God will want to see us, not just try to see God in our own way, but act in such a way that God will present himself to us. So the process of karma yoga gives us that ability, and it becomes, it turns into bhakti, actually. So along with that, karma yoga is what we're teaching as far as chanting Hare Krishna for our own personal meditation. And that chanting actually purifies us to bring us back to that original state that our process that we're teaching is to learn how to vibrate the pure vibration which awakens our own spirituality, right? How does that, how does that connect to the karma yoga? Well, it's that's actually a transcendental activity. Um, it is an activity. Um, so, do you all understand this question? So we chant, we, we chant, we, we have a Hare Krishna rosary, and we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, like we did tonight in the singing, we chant that same mantra in our beads a certain number of times. We also sing like this, you know, some of us every day, some of us all day, some of us part of the day, whatever it may be. And so, this activity is actually a transcendental activity. The chanting of the holy names is actually a transcendental activity. As you were saying, chaita-darpanam-arjanam, bhava-mahagni-navarpanam, it actually cleanses the heart of all the sinful desires which are residing with the heart for millions, and who knows how many millions of lifetimes we've been in this material world. It's just, I mean, I was giving a class one time recently due to the, due to the, due to our, we always like to base things on history. You know, this happened then, this happened then, so we always want to know when did we come to the material world, when, you know, yeah, we, there's no way to understand those kind of things. Yeah, except you just go back and you'll see the date, there's, there's a mark on the calendar when you left and you know, we will welcome us back. And so the activity of chanting Hare Krishna is um, there's a nice verse now namakarti bahujanija sarva shakti and those who study yoga will know this word shakti shakti means potency or energy or, or strength so all god's sarva shakti means all god's potencies are present within his name namakarti bahujanija sarva shakti and god has unlimited names it's it's not just limited to one or two names i mean 
I personally have dozens of names according to my activities. My mother used to call me so many different names according to my activities. My friends called me so many different names according to my activities. What to speak of God? He has unlimited activities, therefore he has unlimited names. And so when you take shelter of the name of God, just like in the, you should keep track how many times I say this. It's like the Judeo-Christian prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The name of God is holy. So the name of God is a transcendental vibration. And when we place ourselves under the shelter, under the, under the influence of the holy name of God, we're actually in the internal potency of the Supreme Lord at that time. And in that, in that association, the heart becomes purified. And the example I always give over and over again is like an inferior element placed in the atmosphere of a superior element takes on the quality of the superior element. You take iron and you put it in fire. Iron being an earth element inferior to fire, which is a superior element. That iron will, when you put it in the fire, it takes on the quality of fire. It doesn't lose its nature, its eternal, or its, its substance as iron. You take it out and you touch it to something and it'll ignite it. It'll, it'll catch it on fire. So in the same way, we take ourselves within this, with, with, our, with our material tabernacle, now this material body, and we invest it in the, in the service of God through karma yoga, and in the service of God through the chanting of the holy name, it purifies our existence because we're in the association of the supreme pure being. Because God is not different than his name. Um, in the material, in the relative world, just like you get thirsty. I just can't say water, 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 water. All it's going to do is make me more thirsty. But in the absolute sense, God is not different than his name. All his energy, all God's potencies, all God's strength is present within the name. So if we can bathe ourselves in the recitation or the, uh, the, the sound vibration of the holy name, we are in that association and all that's like inauspicious in this or that all that contamination is removed by that process. It's a wonderful process, you know. So karma yoga, it's actually the, you know, it's a transcendental sound vibration and so it can, I'd like to think on that a little bit longer because I just think it's actually a transcendental activity. Shri Prabhupada would say when we, he lived a charmed life when he came when he started the Hare Krishna movement. I mean, so many things happened that were just outstanding. In 1966, somebody heard them chanting Hare Krishna, so they said, "Let's make a record." He was a record producer. They made a record, and it became famous. Next thing you know, George Harrison listens to it and becomes a Hare Krishna. Then it spreads all over Europe because George Harrison makes a record with the Hare Krishnas at Apple Studio chanting Hare Krishna and becomes number one in all of Europe. And so when Srila Prabhupada was there, they made a record, and in that record he gave a little talk. And he says that the chanting of Hare Krishna is not an artificial imposition on the mind. Because when, if someone, someone's, if we, when one begins chanting Hare Krishna, the mind will reject. No, no, I don't want to do that. Or if you, you tell your friends, yeah, I'm chanting Hare Krishna. What are you, crazy? You know, it, 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 but you know, so this chanting of Hare Krishna is not an artificial imposition on the mind, it's the natural function of the soul to always be in 
in, in rejoice and in association in different act, types of activities according to one's nature with the Lord. Just like we have different types of relationships here. This chair is serving me in neutrality. George brought me a cup of water. That's service and servitude. Some of you are my friends. You know, my parents aren't here, so I don't. My parents, you know, there's parental relationships. There's conjugal relationships in this world. So all the relationships that are here are also in the spiritual world. Otherwise, how can they be here? Whatever in the energy must also be contained in the energetic source. Heat and light are in sunshine. The sun also has to have heat and light. If you were to say the sun is dark and cold and sunshine has heat and light, you would think that's not possible. And so because we have personality, we have needs, we have relationships, all these things are there within the spiritual world and they can be awakened, as Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu was explaining, through the chanting of the Holy Name, because it cleanses the heart of all the, sin the seeds of sinful desire. Sinful is a very heavy word. It's just all the material desires that we carry with us are residing within the heart. Some of them are dormant, just like a seed that's kept dormant, and as soon as it's planted and watered, it sprouts up. And that just happens throughout our life. Different desires, different situations, different things come up, and we're, and we're, and we're allowed in the human form of life to respond to these things in a positive way, rather than just react to them in an animalistic way. Because we can gain spiritual knowledge, and through spiritual knowledge we learn how to respond to all the different things. Each and every one of us in this room has a set of karmic reactions. And these karmic reactions, they actually beat us down, if you really want to be honest. You know, sometimes we can feel a little light, we can feel a little good, we can feel a little happy, but it just doesn't make it. Actually, you know, because whatever we gain is taken away. Nice verse in the fifth chapter, that those who are little intelligent, they don't take part in the engaging their senses in the object of sense gratification and the objects of the senses for the purpose of sense gratification because they see it as a, as a source of misery. Because if we engage our senses in the object of, sense, of the senses for the purpose of enjoying on a material level, it makes us attached to that. And when we become attached to the material world, we're forced to come back into this material atmosphere and undergo the process of Jamma, Vitra, Jiravyati, birth, death, old age, and disease. And any sane person would want to find a way out of that cycle. And the way out of that cycle is being described here in the Krishna consciousness. So that was a nice question. Thank you. And your questions also. May we ask for other questions, Chaitanya Chandra? I mean, Chait I mean, Nityananda Chandra, or yes. does, does anybody have any more questions? Or Prashanda, I think we have spiritual food. Everybody agrees with me? If you don't agree with me, you can bring it up. I, you know, I, my, the level of vulnerability is very small. The fear of being accepted or rejected, that vulnerability produces fear. Will I be accepted? Will I be rejected? Mm -hmm. No one will be accepted or rejected here. It's everyone, it's a neutral playing field. He talks about the mind, and um, that's, that is a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. Just, um, and I know, I know what the answer is. It's to be with devotees more. Yeah. Be here, 
do japa in the mornings yeah, yeah, yeah. more consistently, but like yet I don't quite do it as much to accomplish that. Even though like I know, hmm. right? That's the gown. Now we need the V gown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there's a nice thing because the material world is such a is such a nice place because you know to chant the holy names constantly, one has to be humble, tolerant, and ready to give all respect to other and not to demand respect for themselves. One can chant the holy name of the Lord constantly when he's in that state of consciousness. So the nice thing about you know, so say I'm not saying you're not humble and you're not humble. No, I'm not. You know, pers- I, it's not a personal judgment. But this is this is the st- statements of the scriptures, and so the nice thing about the material world is that it actually humbles us. It actually is a very humbling place. First, we're embarrassed. <laughs> First, we get embarrassed. Oh my God! How did I get? <coughs> It's a very humbling experience. Um, it's a humiliating thing. It, it, actually, our teachers teachers said this material world is no. It's not a fit place for a lady or a gentleman. The material world is, is not. It's not fit for someone who has a, a cultured, or uh, 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 what would you say, a, a developed intelligence. No one, no one with a developed sense of, of value would want to be in this environment. And so, but the flickering of the mind like this, um, it's described, if I had my computer, I could pull it out because Srila probably explains that in the beginning, one may, may have to practice the spiritual, these spiritual principles and the practices of chanting the Holy Name as if in military discipline. In other words, like, we have some of our friends, I think Mishringa now is being going into the army. We have Narayan Astra, he's a captain in the army and stuff like that. So the military discipline, you know, there's you know, when you when you're out running with your backpack you know, and you just feel like, forget this man, I wanna to go to the Baskin Robbins or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 the drill sergeant is saying, Get up, man, get up, keep going, keep going. So as if in military discipline. So, it, but it has to be a self-discipline, a very difficult self-discipline. Self-discipline is not an easy thing, but it's possible. It's possible because once we learn the precarious nature of this world, that in any moment anything can happen, and we can say, well, I'll chant Hare Krishna tomorrow. <laughs> well, we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. We never know what the next minute's going to bring, you know, when it can, or the next second. And so, as I said, as soon as we understand the urgency, we can become a little serious. And in order to understand that urgency, you know, we practice reading, we, we, we hear. Our hearing is also evidence. We, you know, we, we, we rely so much on seeing, but hearing is also evidence. Just like, you know, if I tell you there's a robber outside, we'll, you know, we'll all prepare ourselves for it. You don't see the robber, you, 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 know, you know, you haven't experienced anything from them yet. You just heard there's a rock outside. So hearing is also a form of evidence. And so hearing is shinu is one of the most important aspects of spiritual life. 
And Krishna says in the 18th chapter, he says that Tatshinu, Ahankara, that if you do not hear but act through false ego, not hearing me, you'll be lost. So what basically it's our false ego rejecting ourselves to be in place in this environment. I'll just end with one really I mean I I almost have it memorized, but I'll just read it out loud for everyone's pleasure. I spoke on this topic many, many times. This is this is a nice verse in the fifth chapter. It's called Karma Yoga Action in Krishna Consciousness. We're doing our actions in Krishna Consciousness. And Krishna explains that as the Supreme Lord, He does not assume anyone's sinful or pious activities. In other words, He's not going to blame us or not blame us or give us this out or that out. Embodied beings, however, are bewildered because of the ignorance which covers their real knowledge. Our real knowledge is that we're eternal parts and parcels of Krishna. Now that's been covered because we are bewildered by ignorance. We've forgotten our position. But at the end of the purport, Srila Prabhupada really brings it out. Therefore, the embodied soul, by his immemorial, and him being his being gender neutral, you know, all scriptures and all books are gender neutral. Right? Therefore, the embodied soul, by his immemorial desire to avoid Krishna consciousness, immemorial desire to avoid Krishna consciousness causes his own bewilderment. Consequently, although he is constitutionally eternal, blissful, cognizant, due to the littleness of existence, he forgets his constitutional position in service to the Lord and is entrapped by nations. Nations meaning ignorance, right? Trapped by nations. And under the spell of the living entity, he claims that the Lord is responsible. It's not my fault, it's God's fault. So Krishna consciousness teaches us that here we are, I'm in a particular place, there's perplexity at every moment, I'm responsible for this, and I'm also responsible to extract myself from this from this situation. It's just like any one of us. We, I, I don't make assumptions, but I would make an assumption that we've all been in a situation where we know we shouldn't be, and immediate, and hopefully at that point we make adjustments to that situation to extract ourselves from that. So in the same way, we find ourselves in a in, a, in, a, in time immemorial, trying to avoid our relationship with the Supreme Lord, and we're becoming more and more bewildered rather than more and more uh, enlightened. And so the process of enlightenment is very, very important. Okay, I just got the nod from the... From the now, they'll now pass out some nice spiritual food. The food has been offered to Krishna and it has a spiritualizing Krishnaizing Krishna effect. It's spiritual food that can help control the tongue and to help 